I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going. Stay not safe. Before you cross me, look both ways. Leaving the scene with no trace. Not in my lead. You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm outer space. Can't eat with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going. State to state. What's going on? It's your host, your boy, George McKay. It's mid-September. The leaves are falling off the trees. Things are getting colder up here, but you know what's getting hot? This conversation, because I have the winner, the first winner of Wrestling Academy Jacques Rudeau's competition to highlight Canadian wrestlers all over the world. The one, the only Jeremy Prophet back on Straight Talk Wrestling for round number three. How are you, my dude? I am fantastic, man. I am just exploding with joy and happiness. Things are just falling into place with this victory at Wrestling Academy on my way to AEW, on my way to the Nightmare Factory, and on my way to showing that everything I've been talking about it is going to come to fruition. You know, you should know. I mean, like you said, third time I'm here on the show. I don't know how many people have had the honor of being able to be on here three times, but man, I wouldn't do it for anybody else but you because... You are not just someone who hopped on the bandwagon. Uh, you might as well be driving the damn bus because you've been with me since the start, George. And, and I appreciate you so much. And that's what makes this win so sweet is that I've been telling people this is going to happen. This is foretold destiny. I'm going to make it happen by hook or by crook. And now we're so close to the promised land. We're so close to getting across those borders getting that contract, getting that work visa, making it all happen and shoving it in the faces of all the people who didn't believe us, believe us on this way. So I'm really glad to be here. I'm ecstatic. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you tremendously. Oh, dude, I appreciate you, man. Like I said, I, I got turned on to you really early in the career. We had a couple great conversations and then I got to see you come out of COVID and you didn't come out slowly. You didn't come out safely. You literally kicked the doors down and said anybody, you, you were like, just, to quote the worst wrestler in pro wrestling, but the quote makes sense. Feed me more. You were literally just telling everybody, I, I want to take on anybody, everybody. I'll take you on from yesteryear to this year all over the place. And it was incredible to watch, especially your run through. And you literally ran over everyone to the win. Uh, I got to ask you this, though, because your reaction was, again, like you said, it was foretold. But I got to be honest with you. When QT announced your name, Man, you must have been like, fuck, vindication. Like, this is yes. Like, it must have been a bigger moment than what you showed, because I know you got quite the poker face. But inside, you're probably like, yes. So I very much believe in composure. Um, and yes, it was a great moment. It, 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 I felt good inside. But I knew that I would win this competition. I knew I was more ready for this competition than the people in it. And, you know, if you want proof, just go look at my first appearance on, on Straight Talk. You know, and I'm not speaking to you. I'm speaking to the people watching at home. But this was well before Wrestling Academy was even a thing. I knew that this was the path I was going to take. I was going to get to a major company by hook or by crook. I don't care how many, you know, how many people I have to destroy in my path. I was going to get there because I want to make my living doing this. I'm not just some person haphazardly doing this, hoping to luck my way into a situation. Uh, I am 100% all in on this. And, you know, if I got to go full on, you know, young bucks on CM Punk kicking down doors to get things done. Then I'm going to kick down a lot of doors and make sure I get the job done. So, yeah, my emotion was 100 percent authentic. I, I, I did not in any way believe either of those guys were going to beat me. I don't believe any of the four guys in the other uh, men's final would have beaten me. No one was going to beat me because, like I say all the time, everywhere I go, I don't see my equal. I don't see the person who looks like me. 
who talks as well as me, who wrestles as diversely and as dynamically as me, who does all the things that I do. So I can't believe that there would be any reason I wouldn't get chosen. Uh, and then, you know, obviously you're not being judged on your full body of work. You're being judged on what you do that night. But the performance I put out there for that finals is very representative of what I'm able to do in a wrestling ring. I think it was a great uh, mosaic of all the things that I bring to the table and my opponents, you know, no disrespect to them. They obviously made it to the finals because they're good, but they're not Jeremy Prophet. And that's the bottom line is that you can compare me to anyone in this game from the person who just took his first bump in wrestling to the CM Punks and the Roman Reigns of this world. And you won't find somebody that does all the things that I do. So unless the person who's making the decision, uh, you know, is uh, just coming off of, uh, you know, brain surgery or something that would impair their judgment. I knew that it was obvious that I was going to get chosen. I don't want to sound arrogant or braggadocious, but I've simply put in more work than these people. Uh, one of my opponents, uh, he was, you know, 18 years old, great prospect, great kid. But, you know, I've also been doing professional wrestling as long as he's been breathing oxygen. So, you know, I, I'm just way more experienced. I'm the one more worth investing in. And I'm the one who can take the ball and run the furthest, plain and simple. No, 100% agree with you. Like I said, and we you talked about with the mini host about your semifinal match being one of your favorite matches. Uh, that one for me, uh, hands down, I agree with you on. The story that was told, the body of work was told, you two meeting at that stage in your career. I mean, what was it like to, I guess, on a personal note, reconnect with your opponent in that semifinals match, but also be able to tell the story that was told. Literally, uh, it had every layer of emotion. There were so many peaks and valleys. I absolutely love it when two dance partners can connect like that and give me that full range. And that's what you guys both did that night. Well, it's like I said, you know, Wrestling Academy, it brought out the the, the competitive nature in a lot of people. Because, I mean, Kyle Zachary, he, he didn't want me to win. He didn't want me to take the $5,000 out of his pocket. Uh, you know, he's been working really hard for it too. And even though... You know, he has a family and he has a lot of things that, that I don't have that would keep him more grounded here. Um, you know, he didn't want to lose to me. He wanted to win the favor of the judges. So that competitiveness was great. And I love that. You know, it's like I talk a very big game, but I pride myself on being able to back it up. So if you want to test my mettle, if you think that I'm less than what I say I am, then by all means, you know, try to expose me. Hasn't happened yet. Don't think it ever will. But, you know, that'll bring out the best in me. That's uh, but I mean. You know, I, I know that there's a certain expectation when you see Jeremy Prophet's name on the marquee. You know, I can't take a night off. I can't show up on a show and say, oh, we're going to go easy tonight. It's like, no, because that's a that's a black eye on my reputation. So I always have to deliver. So now when I get an opponent who is, you know, really pushing me and, you know, telling me it's put up or shut up. Well, OK, fine. We'll, we'll do that. But, you know, we'll also see who backs up first. We'll see who breaks first. We'll, we'll see if, you know, you're experience and working smarter is going to be able to beat my experience and working harder. So, you know, that, that's just how I am. It's, it's the story of a lot of my matches. I like to sometimes beat people at their strengths and, and show that even though I'm well-rounded and they might be more known for one thing, I'll beat them in that one, in that one thing that they're good at, or, you know, just use the full toolbox and uh, fill in what the match is missing. Uh, and, and, you know, go, go at it that way. So with Kyle, he's very versatile, very durable, um, you know, there are certain uh, things about him that aren't evident when you look at a guy of his build and, and how he carries himself because he's a great athlete, um, great cardiovascular shape as well, and, and very durable. So there are things about him that the average person doesn't know. So I also wanted to, you know, take him into some deep waters in those aspects that he's usually maybe not tested in. Like if you watch his other 
uh, first round matches. You know, he's not tested in those regards. So I wanted to take advantage of that and, you know, show that there's more to him as well. And I think that's what two great wrestling partners do is they, they bring out the best in each other. And uh, he and I, we put a lot of work into that. And I think the, the final product was definitely something that the people appreciated. Jacques Rougeau himself got up off of commentary, got in the ring to personally, uh, you know, thank us for that match. And uh, I passed through unanimously on all four judges scorecards because they recognized the effort that I put into that. Um, but it does, it goes without saying that, you know, it takes two to tango. So hats off to Kyle also for his dedication to uh, the performance we had there. Absolutely. Now, one of the things I remember from our early conversation, our early conversations was not really wrestling related, but we both talked about our love for barbecue. Now you're going to Atlanta, baby. And Atlanta's got some great barbecue joints. Have you and the, uh, the better half, have you guys kind of mapped out some restaurants you want to try when you get down there and get settled? Um, you know, I get asked the question like this a lot by a lot of people, uh, especially this past weekend, I had a show and everyone was congratulating me. Um, at the time of this recording, it's only been a week since I've won. Yeah. But um, honestly, no, um, I tell everyone the same thing. It's like I am laser focused on getting a contract mm. that that's it. It's not about any of the pleasantries that there are no days off. Yeah, we're going to be training, you know, most days and then we're going to have days off. There are no days off for me. There are no days off for me in my life now. Everything revolves around wrestling. There is a, a small window of opportunity to be able to do something that can go on to define the lives of so many people in this country. So I, I have to succeed at this. There's no time for, you know, going out and doing things that are fun. Professional wrestling cannot be fun for me for the, the next inevitable future. It just can't. It's business. It's giving 100%. It's being undeniable, driving home the point that I'm getting a, a great opportunity, a great blessing with this scholarship to go to Atlanta. And I just, I can't mess it up. Uh, I don't intend on messing it up. But I have no choice. I have to do this. I have to show that it's possible for a Canadian to be able to go to Atlanta and get hired without having a independent wrestling pedigree of having been in certain big name companies. You know, I have to go there and I have to take everything that I've accumulated and just, you know, roll the dice on it and give it 100 percent. So I can't be distracted by I won't be distracted by anything and I will get it by by hook or by crook. I will, I will beg, borrow, steal, kill, do whatever I have to do, blood, sweat, tears, and bleed all over again if I have to. But I am going to make sure that I secure my future and that of the many other Canadians working the independents who don't have the luxury of being able to go to the United States. I have to do it for the country. I absolutely have to. I can't fail. Yeah, we've been talking about this journey for, for two years about getting that opportunity, getting showcased, being able to go over there and show what you and the rest of this country can do. And I mean, do you feel that pressure? Do you feel that? I mean, we, you just mentioned, so obviously you do feel that pressure, but do you feel that pressure as it is pushing you down or do you feel like it's lifting you up? Like on those days where you're like, ah, I, I might not be able to pull through all the way. You're going to get that extra inch. You're going to level up. You're going to hit that extra, that extra gear to make sure that, that this country stays carried fully on your back. Absolutely. The, the pressure, it does motivate me. Um, again, I'm a mentally strong individual. Like, like I said, I have never taken a break from wrestling. I've never wanted a break from professional wrestling. Um, I've never had uh, mental health issues. I'm mentally very strong. Um, I don't get discouraged. I, there are people that are you know, unhappy that I won, and that's too bad because I'm on a mission for something that's a lot bigger than, than little petty nonsense. This isn't for me. This isn't for fame. This isn't for anything like that. This is for changing a huge wrong in the system. 
And yes, I have big enough, broad enough, strong enough shoulders to carry the burden of all these things to go there and be successful. And yeah, I wake up every morning and I'm fired up and I'm like, how can I change this? Whether it be, uh, you know, like during COVID where I couldn't wrestle and getting on these podcasts, getting the word out there, um, writing an article in Pro Wrestling Illustrated, uh, doing whatever I can to change a major wrong and doing it, you know, mercilessly, violently. Like, I don't care. I, I will bring about change whether I have to do it with my bloody bare hands. Um, this is a thing that I'm very passionate about and uh, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to make this happen because it, it shouldn't have taken this long and that we shouldn't have this many obstacles and speed bumps on our way to getting there. Canadians are just as good as Americans, just as good as anyone in the world, if not better. And it's just the, 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 the ridiculous, corrupt system, the, the systemic ignorance that needs to change. And I'm going to change it. Even if I have to force it, I'm, I'm going to make the system bend to my damn will. I love it. I love the confidence. I love the fire. Every time I talk to you, I get more fired up about, about this issue as well. And I know you're going to right the wrongs. Uh, I, I do want to talk wrestling for a quick second here before we go back to writing all these wrongs. We're going to get into that as deeper as we go, but you had a great match, uh, West coast, Canada, you and your partner, Carl Jepson, you guys fought two of Ontario's finest Kobe Durst and Holden Albright. And it was one hell of a match. I saw some of the highlights. What was it like working with those Ontario guys and uh, getting that opportunity to mix it up, both not in your home province or their home province, but in on equal playing field, if you will? Yeah, just to uh, just to backtrack, we actually fought in in IWS. So okay, yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, so it would have been on on our home playing field. I'd, I'd love to go face them on on their turf, you know, down down in your area. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, Kobe and I first wrestled, I think it was back in like 2016, 2017, somewhere around there. Um, I didn't know him from Adam, but I heard a lot of good things. And we went in there and we did some magic. Um, so he's always been a guy that, you know, I've enjoyed working with. Got to work him at IWS, but it was a six way. So we didn't get to do too, too much. Um, but he's probably, I can say with confidence, my favorite person from Ontario to wrestle. Uh, absolutely love the guy. And Holden, I didn't really know too well. I, just, I met him for the first time at an IWS event where he wrestled the Green Phantom, uh, happened to share the same locker room, got along really well with the guy. And I think that when we get in the ring, yeah, we also have a pretty good chemistry, he and I. And I think the dynamic of the two teams, uh, with me and Carl Jepsen, Jepsen being uh, bigger than myself and Holden being a bit bigger than uh, Kobe, I think the teams match up really well. And I think that's a match that uh, you know we could take anywhere in the world and, and blow the roof off the place. Really uh, high praises for both guys. Uh, two guys that, you know, if they were born in the United States, they'd be TV stars right now. They'd be in major companies. But, you know, this whole thing with uh, Canadians not being able to have that same equal footing because of the borders and the work visas and all the red tape that I'm slowly working to destroy and eradicate. Um, you know, it, it, that's the way the cookie crumbles, unfortunately. But two great talents. Uh, any promoter who's listening to this, I'd say book both of those guys. Uh, you'll definitely get your money's worth. And uh, if you pair them up with Black Quebecois, you know, that's a match that's going to be your match of the night, hands down, anywhere in this country. No, 100%, 10 stars for sure. So let's talk about, because we, we you did mention, and, and uh, you knew I was going to ask because I'm a straight shooter, I'm going to ask honestly. There are people who are really happy that you won, proud of you like myself, somebody who considers you a good friend uh, of straight talk and uh, in general, because we don't just talk wrestling, we talk all the time on Facebook Messenger and stuff like that. Haters. Haters going to hate and haters going to just do whatever they want to do. A lot of people, I mean, obviously there was a lot of high praise posts and there was a lot of negative posts. I don't feed into the bullshit. If I don't like it, I just do the easy thing. I scroll by. But 
knowing that you have haters and it was inevitable that you're going to have haters, there's a platform to say what you want to say to the haters. Actually, you don't even have to really say anything because your work's going to speak for itself. But to all those people that are unhappy, anything you want to say? I don't, I don't mind if people have negative things to say about me. All I have to say is if you have something negative to say, just say it to my face. Come up to me man to man. Just say it to my face. That, that's pretty much it. Don't, don't come up to me and shake my hand and all these things because I keep track of the haters, man. I, I keep track of this guy. And, and when, he, when you look at it, it's really maybe about 10 people that are really vocal. Uh, you know, I once heard a quote that, hey, if you want 10 billion people to like you, you got to be able to deal with at least a million that don't. So that's fine by me. Um, in my post-match speech, you'll see when I did it at Dutch uh, Academy, um, it hasn't aired yet, but when it airs, I said, I'm like, I am mentally strong. I'm not one of these people in wrestling who I'm going to delete my social media because, you know, people are saying mean things about me or, you know, I'm going to isolate myself because uh, people are, are, are going and saying these kinds of things and it's hurtful and it affects my, I'm not, I'm not making fun of mental health. I'm just saying I'm wired differently. I, I'm not, this stuff, it doesn't affect me. I have my eyes focused on my success. You want to try and derail my success? Well, okay, come up to me face-to-face, -face, try to derail my success, and watch what happens to you. You know, I know very well how to defend myself, both verbally and physically. So, you know, you want to try and derail me? I think you're biting off a little bit more than you can chew. And, and, I, and I'm proud to say it. You know, I, I pull no punches. You got a problem with me? I'm not hard to find. And you might find a lot more than what you're looking for because I will gladly defend myself. I will gladly go beyond just defending myself and I will ruin your day. I can hit back a lot harder than anybody hits me. But sometimes, you know, you got to step back hmm. and you got to just let noise be noise because that's all it is. It's noise. You know, think of what, you know, someone like Jackie Robinson had to endure. You know, all the racial slurs, the, the first pitcher that he faced once he actually got to go in, into the major leagues, hit him with the ball. And he just swallowed that and said, you know, what I'm going to do is bigger than this petty nonsense that can derail me. It's, you know, I'm, I'm going to make sure that with me, I can handle anything that, that comes my way. People want to write lies. People want to try to discredit this competition and whatnot. Well, okay. So there's a bunch, there's 10, you know, inbred nobodies with, uh, you know, missing teeth in their mouth. And uh, they're missing brain cells in their head. And they want to say a bunch of things. So they don't like me. Okay, good. Well, you know who does like me? Uh, people like Ron Hutchison, like people like Jacques Rougeau, people like TJ Wilson, people like Steve Lombardi, people like Bill DeMont, people like I could go on and on and on. Every person I've interviewed on my show, pretty much uh, every person that I've met in wrestling, important people in important places. So why am I going to be all worried that, you know, uh, Joe Blow from uh, middle of nowhere, farm town, uh, nothing, uh, wants to go on the internet and write something about me when actual people who have made a dollar and have been successful in this business appreciate a person like Jeremy Prophet. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you're absolutely right. Right about that. Now, let's talk about something cool. It was announced earlier this summer that AEW is coming to Toronto. Now you just won Ludo Academy. Mm -hmm. You're going to the Nightmare Factory. Will, will I see Jeremy Prophet at AEW? Because I got tickets. You know I got tickets. First AEW in Toronto? Hell fucking yeah, I got tickets. <laughs> will, will there be a dark match of some kind? Will there be inner workings with the Nightmare Factory? Can you give me something? Well, I'll tell you this. I can't predict the future because anything could happen. A, a meteorite could fall on me right now, and, and that's the end of the Jeremy Prophet story. Uh, not the ending we were expecting. 
But uh, I feel my, my guardian angels are a little bit faster than that. So I think uh, I might just survive. Yeah. Um, I don't see anything. I think you'll be okay, brother. I think you'll be okay. I can, I can tell you. Um, yeah, I'm going to be on those events. Um, I'm, I'm on them 100%. Uh, it's part of Wrestling Academy was that the winners, the four winners, so not just myself, but the other four winners, which includes, you know, my better half, Jessica Black, um, Matt Black, no relation that I know of, um, and Chris Dillon, the other winner. Uh, all four of us will be part of AEW shows, Dynamite and Rampage in Toronto on October the 12th and 13th. And uh, in addition to two others, uh, one is actually a, a local Toronto boy, uh, Jesse B. Hell of a hell of a talent. Uh, he will also be on there. So yeah, so it's uh, it, it's confirmed. It's it's set in stone. Um, I don't know what I'll be doing on there, but it's set in stone that I'll be there. So what we're actually doing is we're going down to Atlanta to the Nightmare Factory at the start of October, start of the next month, and we're going to train there, and then we're going to come back up for the TVs for AEW, and uh, yeah, and then you know back down to Atlanta for the rest of the training and whatever that leads to. But, uh, yeah, I can confirm to you that if you bought a ticket to AEW Dynamite and Rampage, and you don't have to take my word for it, QT Marshall said it himself. So he said it. I can say it. I will be on the AEW events in Toronto on October the 12th and 13th, Dynamite and Rampage. Booyah. Booyah. Well, then, you know, I'm going to be down early because it's also the Leafs home opener. I know I get it. You're you're probably a Canadians fan. That's fine. It's also Leafs home opener. So I'm going to get down early so I can find parking. That's really the only reason. That's the only reason. (laughs) Absolutely. So we'll have to meet up for sure. Now, talk to me about um, talk to me about uh, Nightmare Factory Uh, again, uh, going down there, right, righting the wrongs. Great opportunity coming your way. Laser focused on everything. Three months. Do we know what happens at the end of the three months? Is it just going to be an evaluation? Is there going to be like, has QT told you guys anything to look beyond the three months? Or are we just, you know, day to day, this is my goal. This is what I got to do this day, then this day and this day and just keep progressing up that mount. So in the, the brief conversations I've had with QT, it's not been 100% laid out. Uh, because obviously we have to figure out a lot of the things, you know, like we have to figure out where we're going to stay. We got to figure out, um, you know, the schedule, all of those different logistics that go into it. And I've been in communication with QT as well as with uh, Ray Lloyd, better known as Glacier, um, you know, just getting a lot of the logistics of uh, how those camps go. So what does it lead to? I don't know. I think that's in our hands to be able to impress the right people, but are we in the right place to impress them? Absolutely. So I'm definitely going to make the most of this, but for me, it's not just going there and being a, a, a lemon, you know, it's, it's going there and letting people know what they have here, knowing that, you know, this is someone coming in with 17 years experience, never had an injury, never took a day off, um, looking to make his living doing this. Uh, again, I'm not leaving anything to chance. It's very much, I know that I want to be a part of AEW. I want to be a featured part of their company. I just want the chance to earn that. So whether that be at those tapings in Toronto, whether that be at the Nightmare Factory, whether it be in Orlando for uh, the dark taping, whether it be at a, another televised event, uh, wherever they are on the road, I want the chance to show that I'm everything that I've said I am since my inception into this business. And that's all I asked Jacques for. I said, hey, you know, with Wrestling Academy, you know, there's, there doesn't need to be any preferential treatment. Give me the same level playing field as everybody else. I assure you. I will rise to the occasion. I, I've been ready for this before these people even knew this was a thing. And a funny little story I got to tell because it, it's really, and I think we, we got some footage of it with my 
the, the Jofo guys were there documenting a lot of it. But there was a moment where Jacques pulled me aside on that last day. And he said, uh, I just want you to know, and I think he said this to everybody, but this was, he told me, uh, he said, QT Marshall is making the final decision that we have nothing to do with it. It's going to be who he wants. So he said, I can't help you in any way. I have to, you know, I, there's nothing I can do. It is entirely up to QT. And he seemed, he seemed a little, a little worried. And I said to him, Jacques, it, it's okay. You know, I, I want you to remember this moment because when we started this, I said, just give me the same level playing field. I know how good I am. You know, Michael Jordan knows how good he is. Wayne Gretzky knows how good he is. You know, they worked really hard to be good. People think that I'm arrogant because I'm self-aware, but I think my self-awareness is actually the biggest weapon that I possess because I, I, I won't bluff. I can't be out bluffed because I know exactly what I am. And I know if somebody is saying something, I know where my skill set stands. And that could be anybody on television or, or obscure indies. I know how good I am. So I said to Jacques, you know, Jacques, remember this moment. Okay, remember us standing right here because I'm telling you right now, I will win this. I got this. This is what I was put on the planet to do. And all throughout the day, other people were asking me, are you nervous? No, I'm not. I know how good I am. It, why is it so hard to understand? I have no insecurity. It's like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan knows how good he is. I know how good I am. I train for this. I work hard to be good at this. I have natural talent, yes, but I also work really freaking hard. So I knew I was going to win. And then right when I won, you'll see there's a moment where I go over to the judges' table. I think it's even in the, the clip that's going around now where I go over to Jacques and, and I shake his hand and I point. I point off in the distance and I said, Jacques, I told you this when we were standing over there. I told you I was going to win this. And that's because, like I said, I'm self-aware about this. I know that I'm the protagonist in my own story. I know I'm living every moment as the main character. I'm creating a moment right now with you that when they make the story of Jeremy Prophet, when they release the documentary, you know, the man who broke the borders, who helped get Canadians noticed, all this, this legacy that I leave behind, that this is going to be an actual moment. This is going to be an actual scene that they look back on and they use. I know that because I live in the moment. So, yeah, it was creating one of those moments that I just knew, like, this is the way the story is going to go. There's there's no way they're not going to see me as the head and shoulders standout of this competition. No, you're right. And you know what? I don't see any I don't see self-awareness. Like you said, I don't see it as a, a crutch. I see it as a beacon. And it is it is just exactly that. If you know you're good at stuff like me, I know I'm good at holding a conversation. Actually, no. I'm going to, I'm going to big myself up a little bit. I'm great at holding a fucking conversation and Absolutely. I know, thank you. And I know I'm very entertaining when I do it. Do I fumble on my words? Of course. Do I stutter? Yes. But the good thing about me is I'm honest. I put it out there and I, I've had haters. I don't care. Water off a duck's back. At the end of the day, what, what, what is great is those moments and those memories. I can look back 20 years from now and I could say, man, I had a lot of great guests on my show, but who can I remember fully? I know you would easily be in the top five, dude, because you're fucking hilarious. We get along really well. And we're also both extremely talented one way or another. You have all these abilities. I have a great mouth. It works. If you ever need a manager, I'll come down for one night. I'll be honored to be your mouthpiece. Actually, you don't need it. You can do it on your own. <laughs> hey, you'll, be the, you'll be the first one I call, George. And it's like I said, you know, you're not just jumping on the bandwagon, man. You might as well be driving the damn bus because you were with me since day one. And one of the things anyone who knows Jeremy Prophet knows is that I have a memory like an elephant. And so I never forget the people who were there for me before the success. And now we're getting a little taste of the success. We're obviously going to get a bit more. 
but I remember those who were there before I was anything. Those who defended me when people said that, oh, this crusade for Canada, this whole thing, this is this not going to go anywhere. You're not going to accomplish anything. You were not one of those people. You were in my corner. You were like my, the custom motto to my Mike Tyson. So I respect you for that, and I will never forget you. I appreciate that, brother. I do. And I appreciate the crusade because you're right. It's been long overdue. A lot of nonsensical red tape. Now we're not just cutting through with a pair of scissors. We got that fucking chainsaw coming through and it's like lightning. So talk to me about, um, I mean, you've been training your whole life. Do you think that the nightmare factory is going to throw something at you that you may have not, not going to say not trained for, not anticipated, but are they going to throw different ways at you of working your body out that you may not be accustomed to? I, I sure hope so. I, I want to learn new things. I want to add, I'm kind of like uh, like an unlimited Swiss army knife. You know, I, I want to continue to add new things. I was just blessed with having a lot more gigabytes of RAM, I guess, upstairs because I, I can learn and add. And you, you watch any of my matches, you watch how they evolve, how, you know, my, my set and different aspects of my performance continue to evolve and you never see the same Jeremy Prophet match twice. It's one of the things I'm proud of. I'm not one of these routine guys who does the same stuff at the beginning, the same stuff at the end in the same order. You know, I, I tell different stories. I cut different promos. I, you know, I want to be the master of everything. I just don't want to stop learning. So I, I hope that they are going to teach me a lot of things that I don't know because, you know, with how good I am now, think of how much more unstoppable I'll be once I absorb that knowledge, you know? Did you ever watch the show, uh, the show Heroes from back in the day in the mid 2000s? Oh yeah, hell yeah, oh yeah. So, so in, in Heroes, I loved how Siler was able to have that power where he could look into somebody's brain and then he could take their power, kind of thing. That's that's kind of like what I am to wrestling. You know, I sometimes use the expression like I'm like the Shang Tsung of wrestling because he can turn into everybody in Mortal Kombat and do all the stuff that they do. Um, you know, I think in one of the other Mortal Kombat's, there's a character called Shujinko, and he kind of learns everybody's ability as he goes along. That's me. If you want to know Jeremy Prophet in a nutshell, that's me in wrestling. I can absorb everything. I'm the sponge of all sponges. So yeah, give me more knowledge. Give me things I've never seen before. I'm not arrogant enough to think that I know everything. I clearly don't, but I learn and I absorb stuff and I, I perfect it and put my own twist on it. That's what makes me dangerous, I think. Absolutely. You are you are very well-rounded hybrid. I mean, I think some of the matches that I've seen, again, never anything live, unfortunately, uh, but some of the matches that I've seen, there's been times where you've come off the top rope, taken your opponent down, gone into a, a wicked ground game back and forth, then gone up, gone into the striking. It literally is all over the place to the point where I sometimes worry for you because I feel like you don't stop. And I don't, I feel like sometimes you look like you're not breathing. Because it's just go, 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 go. And I obviously know you are. But, you know, one of the things I learned from Speedball Mike Bailey and a couple great conversations I had with him, pace, timing, working on your breathing, controlling the tempo. Um, is there layers of timing that, you know, if there's a young wrestling fan right now that's watching this and wants to get in the ring, wants to train, what would you tell them about pace and breathing and timing? Because those are fundamentals just like taking your first bump. Yep. So I can definitely say a lot about pacing, and I'll get into that in a bit. Um, but I'd be one of the worst people to ask about breathing because, I believe it or not, I've never felt tired in a wrestling match. Okay. Um, I, I, I say never. Um, I think there was one time I might have been uh, battling uh, just a, like a cold or something, and uh, I was in with a very, uh, very fast-paced opponent. might have actually been speedball, and I think I got a little tired once. But other than that, I've never felt tired. I, I had a match this past weekend. Uh, my opponent actually didn't want to take it home early, uh, which we did. And, you know, I kind of wanted to rub it in after. So I did about 10 jumping jacks and uh, 10 push-ups after it was done in the middle of the ring. 
just because I, I don't get tired. I, I, I train. I train like an Olympic athlete day in, day out. Uh, I condition myself for this. So, you know, fatigue is not something, it's not even in the back of my mind. I don't even worry about that. Um, I do know some breathing techniques, but I've never had to use it. Uh, in terms of pacing, though, pacing is very important because you need to pace your matches to work with the audience. And I think a lot of people don't realize that in that you need to, you know, ride the waves of certain reactions to, to keep the crowd hot. And a lot of matches, I see the wheels kind of fall off when they get towards the end because they're not paced right. And I think a lot of that maybe comes from people watching WWE. That, that's kind of what I deduced is, is from people watching WWE because they'll have these big spectacular false finishes and it'll go into this big down because they have to air a replay and they don't want there to be action while the replay is going on. I think that's one of the common conventions, but it, it's become a thing where there are things in wrestling that work and then there are things that uh, because it's done on TV, people just kind of accept it as being canon in the chronology of professional wrestling and how things should be done. So me, I've always been an outside the box thinker where you know, I'll see how a movie fight scene is paced and realize that, OK, in wrestling, this is what you need to do to keep the keep the intensity, to keep the crowd engaged. So it's an important thing to remember that the, the time to be taking breaks and all that is not towards the end of the match. That's where you really need to be sprinting towards the finish and making sure that people are on the edge of their seats of that roller coaster ride between good and evil and who's going to win. Um, we could have an entire discussion about wrestling psychology, but I'll sum it up like this. Um, as much as I'm a hybrid in the ring, I'm a hybrid of old school and new school. That's part of the absorbing the different techniques uh, and the different things that are taught to me is being able to not only be a sponge, but also be a filter to know what worked then and what will still work because what's old is sometimes new again, but also knowing what is outdated and how the world has changed. I'll give you one small example and people might disagree with me, but one of the things uh, I'm, I'm known for is promos. Love promos. Go figure. Guy like me, great at promos. Um, and there's this belief that you need to start your promos talking about the date, the place, and, and all of these things. And I get that back in the day when things were on TV. However, nowadays in the social media era, where you're most likely shooting that promo for the internet, that can easily be spliced into the video. That can easily be put on the post so it's already there. And there's no reason for there to be 90% of promos from an organization starting the same way, hitting all those key points. Um, you know, it, it's just one of those things that I find, you know, I see that a promo, I'm like, oh, there's another one, there's another one. It's like just taking the time alone to say those things that can easily be already put on the post or superimposed on the promo, you can actually dedicate that time to saying stuff that will draw the person into the storyline and make them want to pay a ticket to see you. So you're wasting uh, I believe wasting valuable time trying to shoehorn that in and putting that in at the beginning instead of getting right down to brass tacks and getting into what the match is all about. So it's one of those things we have to balance. This was an old school thing that maybe you know doesn't fit so much anymore, but also not dismissing everything that's old school because there's a lot of it that still works. So I'm neither an old school or a new school guy. I'm just a free thinker who understands how the world works outside of wrestling. And the more you understand the world outside of wrestling, it's easier to cater the stuff inside of wrestling to appeal to everybody. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, social media has opened a lot of positives, but also a ton of negatives. But it's opened a lot of positives in those ways where you can, what was once old here, can stay there and you can evolve and you can change over time it's going to come to the point where we're all going to have chips in our hands anyways and be able to hit whatever we want to see the next promo it's eventually getting there it's eventually getting there it's kind of creepy too it really is a little creepy technology has come so far but yet 
is scary. I almost feel like Terminator is going to happen, Jeremy. I feel like it's going to happen. Well, if that does happen, then uh, I guess you and I are doomed one way or another. But, hey, we got to make the most of the time we have. hundred <laughs> percent. A couple more questions. I'm going to let you go. But um, in terms of, like you said, you're trained, you're built for this. In terms of, I guess, staying in the consistency that Jeremy Prophet has always done, what is, because we've never, I've never asked this question, what is the workout routine for Jeremy Prophet? Like, what do you do? You know, every day I know you want to work on something different. Maybe you work on a little bit of everything the same day. But what is the regime for Jeremy Prophet to stay in his best shape? Okay. So first and foremost, it's good nutrition. So, you know, you can't out-train a bad diet. So you got to be eating clean. I eat clean six days a week. Seventh day, I, I, I eat worse than uh, someone who's, uh, you know, suffering from obesity and on the verge of a heart attack. Um, when it comes down to the actual training, uh, I like to work one body part a day. So, you know, whether it be arms, chest, back, one body part a day, kill it. I like to do uh, higher reps. I like to do 12 to 15 reps, uh, which means that if I can do 15 reps, then I up the weight. Uh, if I can't do 15, that's right where it should be. If I can't do 12, then that's too much. And I'm very strict on that clean form. Um, and give that body part, you know, the entire more or less week to rest. Although some body parts I hit twice. I've also added a heavy day. So I'll go significantly heavier. I'll go maybe about 40% heavier than what I would normally do. Um, and I would lower the reps to more of an eight, about eight reps is what I ideally like to hit. So I add one body part, uh, which would be a body part that would be repeating in that week. I would add it as a heavy day. Um, that's been a lot of fun to do too, because uh, it's different. And it's really just about consistency. I'm seven days a week in the gym, no days off. It's not just a catchphrase. It's really no days off. That's how I've lived my life. That's that's Since I've been a wrestler, it's been every day. Find your, your way to get to the gym. Find your way to get your workout in. doesn't matter if you're sick. doesn't matter if you're hurting. doesn't matter if you had a show that day uh, or if you have a show later on. It's you know, Sometimes I'll drag myself to the gym at 2, 3 a.m. because I got to get that workout in. You know, you want the big contract. I'm, I'm, I'm doing this for... Uh, a higher purpose. So, you know, I can't be slacking. I have to live everything I say uh, or else I'd be a fraud and then I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. And I am anything but that, you know, everything I say, my, my trash talk does not surpass my ability, uh, nor does it surpass my work ethic. And so that's really what it is. It's making those sacrifices. It's yeah, you know, I'd love to, you know, be able to, to eat pizza and puts in every day, but that wouldn't bring me closer to my goal. Getting my goal means more than those little temporary satisfactions you know and it's a thing that i preach in my in my my work even as a, a trainer and a coach is you have a long-term satisfaction and you have short-term satisfaction so short-term satisfaction is doing the wrong thing like let's say eating something that is not healthy and will give you a certain sense of joy of oh it tastes good it feels good but then it's you know is this bringing me closer to my goal am i going to look at myself and not be proud of the physique that i'm sporting am i going to get on a scale and not be proud of the progress that I've made and seeing my body fat percentages maybe a little higher, you know, that's the, the long-term letdown for the short-term satisfaction. I believe in short-term disappointment in order to achieve long-term satisfaction. And you know what, maybe that kind of parallels my career because, you know, I'm playing the long game. I'm saying, look, you know, I've been in this game now 17 years. That's kind of a long time, but I've never been injured. I've never, you know, been mentally down. Uh, I've never wanted to take time off. I've never been disenfranchised with the business. You know, with everything I've gone through, it's made me stronger. And, uh, you know, because of my mentality, I think that's one of the reasons why 
Uh, I've been successful in getting to where I am now in wrestling, in achieving my goals in training. I mean, you see what I look like. I'm very proud of my physique, proud of the way I look. Um, you know, staying healthy, seeing people my age that are doing this, that, uh, you know, realistically look like they should, they should have hung it up probably five, six years ago, seeing people who do this and they're injured, you know, every other week, you know, I guess I get it. Accidents can happen and whatnot, but you know, I'm dedicated to this and for one reason or another, Hey, it hasn't happened to me. And I think a lot of that is because of how hard I've trained and, um, you know, because I'm, like I said, just dedicated in every aspect. So I know I kind of strayed away from your question, but that's the gist of my working out, uh, again, nutrition and just not taking any days off, man. It's, uh, I, I don't even want to take a day off. I love doing this. I love getting, it's the first thing on my mind when I wake up in the morning, I can't wait to go to the gym. I can't wait to train. I can't wait to get in the ring. I, I love it. Absolutely. Uh, when you talk about clean eating, I know that, you know, you eat fantastically and stuff like that, but what's a go-to meal for those six days when you're eating clean, not the cheat day. Everybody asked that cliche question. What's a go-to meal for Jeremy Prophet on one of those clean eating days? Part of that nutrition. What's what does Jeremy Prophet have for dinner on one of those days where he where he's eating clean? So without getting into the specifics, there's a certain schedule that I follow, which involves eating about five meals a day. And every meal has protein. Every meal has fat in an appropriate size. So protein and fat. And then there are two types of carbs. There are the starchy carbs, which is what most people think are carbs anyways, which is like, you know, rice and potatoes and uh, fruits those kinds of things. Uh, so those would be eaten earlier in the day because your body has a harder time digesting them. And I actually like eating them first in meals because again, I want to get the digestive process started right away. A lot of people don't realize that. I'm giving, I'm giving out a ton of uh, outstanding information here on this podcast. Hopefully it helps some people. Hopefully it helps save some lives, turn some lives around. Um, you know, that would be a blessing if it, if it falls on, you know, ears that are willing to listen. Um, so then later in the day, again, same structure of protein and fat in a, in a specific size. And it would be what are known as fibrous carbs. So more or less vegetables. Um, that would be later in the day because they digest easier and they help with digestion. So it's important to not be having the bad things too late at night because then you're not expending energy. If you have them earlier in the day, and I say bad things, but I just mean, you know, carbs that are starch based. Um, if you're having them earlier in the day, you're walking around, you're going up and down stairs, you're, you're, you're going to the gym. So you're going to expend it as energy. So long as your, your energy output is more than the intake, it's going to keep your body fat nice and low. And, you know, with me, I want to be as TV ready as possible. Uh, I hover around uh, probably around, I'm told it looks like it's less, but every time I check it, I mean, I'm around about 10% body fat. Um, people tell me it's less based on what they see, but every time I do, um, you know, I'm privileged to have access to a, a 3D scanning machine that does a full 3D scan of me so I can keep my numbers uh, where I want them to be, uh, I'm usually around 10%. So, uh, you know, that's where I feel most comfortable. Um, I think, you know, anyone, you know, around about 200 pounds, 10% body fat, that's a lean, mean fighting machine. And uh, I intend on keeping that there and doing the right things to make sure that, uh, you know, I'm ready when that call comes. I like it. No, you're, you're giving out fantastic information. And one question, because a corny question, I got asked a corny question. I've never asked this before, and this may be my only chance to get it before your, your rocket gets uh, shot to shot straight to the uh, front of the line at AEW. Does Jeremy Prophet have a favorite chick flick? Everybody does, Jeremy. Everybody does. I've never asked this question, but we're at that stage in our friendship where I can't. Does it? Do you have a favorite chick flick, Jeremy? Um, it, you know, I'm not even a really big movie guy. Uh, like, I remember being younger, 
uh, you know, in the days, the early days of DVDs and stuff. And I wasn't even that big. I, like, I rarely went to the theaters and stuff. Um, I, it's funny when you said that the first movie that came to mind was white chicks. It's <laughs> 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 a great movie. Come on. It's a great movie. It, it is a great movie. I just, I just don't think it's really a chick flick. Um, yeah. I, I, I said, so, you know what? I, I don't know if it counts, but, uh, I really like pitch perfect. Hey, uh, solid movie, solid movie. Not going to lie. Yeah. Great movie. I like I, it. I, all, all three, all three were great. I don't know if that counts as a chick flick, but uh, I love that movie. I love the, the idea of the acapella and the songs and just everything about how that movie was structured. Love Pitch Perfect. Yeah, no, I'll give it to you. I will give it to you. And I think that's a great way to end this conversation, as always. Round three in the can. Amazing conversation. Jeremy, please shout out your socials so everyone can keep up on your journey when you're over at the Nightmare Factory, because I know you will be posting. Yeah. Yep. And uh, you guys are going to want to get in on this soon because, uh, trust me, you know, the followers and the subscribers, all that stuff goes through the roof the second that you set foot on Dynamite or on Dark or on any of those shows from what they tell me. So if you want to get in on the ground floor before this thing blows up like it's going to, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Prophet, J-E-R-E-M-Y-P-R-O-P-H-E-T. You can follow me on Instagram at The Real Jeremy Prophet, spelled exactly the same way. And you can see me on YouTube. On the Jofo in the Ring show, which I host along with Frank Jofo and Kyle whenever Kyle's available, but he's being, you know, kind of a deadbeat lately, although he was there to support me at the semifinals, but uh, didn't make it to the finals. So he's going to have to make that one up to me. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. And, you know, I'm very personable. Um, don't don't believe what you see. I'm a very easy, easygoing, approachable person. I'm just very passionate about what I do. Very, very passionate about it. And uh, you know what? If you're not passionate about wrestling, that's okay. We can still be friends. Um, so don't feel like this is something where, hey, if you want something, you want to ask me a question, you want me on your podcast, you want to, you know, come see me in action, maybe having a hard time finding tickets. Hey, I'm a very approachable guy. I always want to help out, always willing to interact with the people. Uh, and I'm doing it for the people, not just the people in Canada, but the people all over the world who don't have that opportunity. I want to be the guy that can showcase the fact that there are great wrestlers everywhere in the world and wrestling is such an awesome thing that brings us all together the good the bad the haters the friends everything wrestling is so amazing you know it's amazing that a guy like myself and george can come on here and give you guys a great piece of content i always say it so you know don't be a stranger shoot me a follow shoot me a message and uh you'll always be sure of one thing and that's when you see jeremy prophet's name on the marquee you're going to get 110% of me. You're going to get all my heart and all my soul. I wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. I can vouch for that. This man is a fantastic person inside and outside the ring. I'm honored to call him a friend. Actually, I'm going to go one more. I'm honored to call him a brother. That's it for this one, guys. Peace, love, and wrestling. See you next time. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on Podbean. Also, check us out on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch, check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. Leaving the scene with no trace, not in my lead, you out of place. I'm not at the top, I'm outer space. Any with us, we're out of place. I'm doing fine, I'm feeling great. You're not my fan, you can't relate. Straight talk going state to state